Hey gang, uh, glad you've joined us for this week's version of Ministry Hangouts. Um, uh, we're just going to talk church. Uh, we've been doing this for a few weeks now. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've talked about several different issues that uh, we all, uh, or challenges and opportunities that we face as uh, pastors and ministry leaders. And uh, we do this every second and fourth Wednesday uh, of the month. And uh, we've got a lot of cool topics coming up. Uh, we've got a website called ministryhangouts.com, ministryhangouts.com. And so uh, we're glad you're along. I think we've got a good show. I'm going to introduce, uh, well, first of all, I'm Greg Surratt, and I'm the <laughs> pastor at Seacoast Church and also uh, the president of the ARC. And uh, I want to introduce uh, kind of my sidekick in this deal, Sean Wood. Uh, Sean uh, was on staff for a number of years at Seacoast, and uh, he has planted Freedom Church in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, doing a great job. And uh, so, Sean, why don't uh, we kick it to you and you talk to us about who's with us this week and what are we going to talk about? Awesome. Hey, uh, thanks, Greg. And we do have a great uh, uh, opportunity today to talk through assimilation. And as we were planning the Hangouts, we thought, okay, we know what this week is. Everybody's driving to get the crowd uh, to hear the gospel to church Easter Sunday, celebrate a risen Jesus. Um, but the truth is we also know that that tends to flatten out and less people come the week after Easter than do the week of Easter. But how do we assimilate some of those people? How do we keep them? How do we get them connected and really just get them connected to the life source of, uh, of growing uh, that we want to um, as a church. And so today we're going to talk about assimilation, and we have invited a couple guests on that we feel like are uh, just really have a lot to say in this area. Uh, in fact, we've got Larry Rye from uh, Elevation Church, and Larry is the campus pastor at their university campus, as well as he has been uh, one of the founding members of Elevation Church, has been around uh, since it was just a dream in Pastor Stephen Furtick's heart many, many years ago, and uh, has been influential in uh, what I think is a church that really knows how to get people belonging and connecting and assimilating them into the church. Uh, we also have Josh Walters, who is uh, from Seacoast Church and is a campus pastor at the Long Point Campus, uh, which is the original campus of Seacoast Church, and then also has been very influential in leading a team of people who have um, come up with what is called the Inside Track at Seacoast, and which is their tool for uh, really uh, letting people get connected at Seacoast. And then hopefully, um, this is a just a, a testimony, I guess, of technology and what happens sometimes with these kind of things, but we are hoping uh, that Bob Franquez and uh, we're hoping that Michael Byers will be able to join us, and they come from Calvary Fellowship and then Church of the Highlands, and if not, we will just get some information from them and share with you on the blog, but we're having some technical difficulties of them getting on. Hopefully, they'll be there soon. So I'll toss it back over to you, Pastor Greg, as we uh, just kind of start the conversation about assimilation. How do we keep some of these people that are going to come on Easter? All right, good. So that's the big deal this week, assimilation. Um, now, um, you know, we've, we've all heard uh, a line, or we've used it ourselves, uh, from frustrated pastors that say, We'd be growing if we could just close the back door. Um, we, we've all said that. So let's just kind of kick it around a little bit. What, what do you think are the reasons that people will come to church once and maybe they don't come back? Um, 
Larry, maybe you want to kick in. Uh, what do you think? What, what do you think some of the reasons are? Well, uh, hey, Pastor Greg, thanks for letting me uh, be a part of this great thing today. I've actually got written on the board back here. It says, Pastor Greg is awesome. I that see that. Frame, that's that's frame, incredible. Frames <laughs> everything we're going to talk about because pretty much a lot of the things we were doing at Elevation, we kind of ripped off from you, Pastor Greg, and other great churches around the country. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of original idea that's probably flowing out of us. We've just kind of ripped off what somebody else did and just tried to own it a little bit. but Yeah, you guys make it better is what you <laughs> <laughs> we, we have fun along the way, that's for sure. Um, my original title at Elevation Church when we launched seven years ago was, was Assimilation Pastor. And Pastor Stephen told me I'm going to be the Assimilation Pastor. And I really had to go look up what that was because I wasn't sure what Assimilation was. And I'm kind of a geek, kind of a nerd, so I like to study how everything is. And uh, when I started studying what assimilation was, it's big. It's basically uh, people who come in. How do you uh, weave them into the to the fabric of your culture, your church? Every fraternity has an assimilation process. Every church, every business, everybody's got assimilation. It's how do you bring people in? And it was fascinating when I studied what like history countries have done over time. There's kind of four strategies. The in the opposite ends of the spectrum of assimilation for what countries have done is the United States and Germany. And so uh, the United States was this wonderful melting pot. People would get on a boat, come to Ellis Island, and raise their hand, and the phenomena of the hyphen came into existence. Before the United States, there was never a hyphen. You became an Italian-American, uh, a German-American. You got to keep your rich cultural heritage and embrace the new American dream. And the opposite end of that spectrum was Germany. And when you're going to become a German, you come to the border, and they tell you that if you're going to be a German, you're going to, uh, you're going to drink beer, you're going to eat sauerkraut, and you're going to polka dance. And when, you, when you become a German, there's no hyphens in Germany. In fact, if you're in Germany and you're drinking a wine, they say, no, no, put it down, drink a beer. If you want to eat something, then no, no, put that down, shove it in a meat casing. We're Germans. And the funny thing about Germany is there's no hyphens. There's one way of being Germany. And it's funny because if you look at the United States, what's happened in the last 20 years there's really kind of a rejection of the hyphen. There's this kind of cultural pluralism. People no, want, no longer want to be Italian-Americans. They want to be Italians living in America. What started out as this wonderful thing to try to keep everybody actually starts to overthrow the populace and the established authority that God has put in place. And it's funny because in many ways, sometimes churches, the better symbol might be the, the, uh, the Statue of Liberty because if our effort is to try to keep everybody, eventually that can kind of work against us. And in some ways, when we started Elevation, we started a little bit like a Germany where we said, hey, guys, if you want to become a part of this thing, that's cool, but we're going to drink beer, eat sauerkraut, and polka dance. So well, That sounds like a fun church. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's just this whole idea of assimilation. And for us, I think one of the things that, that Pastor Stephen kind of taught us early on about assimilation is God's job is to bring all the people. Our job is to create a place. Why would they want to come back to it? Hmm. And then if we can uniquely figure out who's called to us to identify the people that are called to us rather, rather than try to keep everybody that comes to us, it becomes a much easier process. And so I think assimilation can either be a keeping process or an identification process. And depending upon what churches are doing, it really tells them the investments and the systems and structures they're going to put into place to make it happen. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, a keeping process or an identification process. Yeah. So. So how would you identify um, uh, your strategy? Are you a keeping or an identifying? We would be more of an identifying. In, in the analogy, 
I would use around that would be you put a hundred Christians in a room and so you're gonna launch a church hundred Christians in a room and you guys are like alright every one of you how many of you don't want anybody burning in hell all hundred Christians would be like absolutely gonna raise their hand and they're gonna love it and a lot of times it's easy to stop there and try to keep the hundred people in the room and it kinda of turns into a fill-in-the-blank mentality like however you think that's accomplished write it down and that's what because because the, the commitment that you sign up for is the commitment you serve and so the person sitting there saying well I think we should do it through outreach I think we should do it through men's ministry some people are gonna think by me sitting in this seat is helping people not burn in hell by me walking in this building is not people burning hell so what we decided to do is kind of that second question was not not how many do you want anybody burning in hell but second question is this how many of you guys believe in people not burning in hell so much you're going to bring your lost friend back next week? You got about 60 people left in the room. Third question. How many of you guys believe in people not burning in hell so much you're going to take a foundational belief that Sunday doesn't exist for you, but you exist for Sunday? So you're going to volunteer. You're going to park a car. You're going to change a diaper. You're going to move a speaker so people don't burn in hell. You got about, th about 40 people left in the room. Fourth question. How many of you guys believe in it so much? that you're going to take a philosophical belief. Sunday is not your time to be fed, but you're going to kind of devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, and you're going to get into a small group. you got about 20 people left in the room. Last question, fifth question. How many of you guys believe in people not burning in hell so much you're going to be generous with what God has given you and biblically tithe? George Barnes is 8 out of 100. At the end of that 100, you got 8 left in the room. And for us, we tried to create a process that was more about trying to identify the 8 than try to keep the 100. And so those... You guys aren't as concerned about closing the back door in that sense. In other words, there's going to be um, a significant number of people who come in the front door who aren't necessarily destined to stay in the front door, so they're going to go out a back door, right? Because it's the identification process. And, mm -hmm. and wide is the gate for people that absolutely need Jesus. I mean, it could not be any wider of a front door than that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to people who know Jesus, we're looking for people that to, who want to partner with us quickly through what we call our four G's. And those were just the questions that I gave there. Growth, invite your friends to come uh, and hear the presentation of the gospel. Gifts, use the gifts that God gave you through serving and volunteering. Um, get in a group and be generous with what God has given you through biblically tithing. And so ours is more of like if you know Jesus and you're looking for a place to use your gifts, that, that door right there, if you don't want to be a part of it, that's, I probably don't want to let you in the front door. Okay. That's right, great. Good. You know, uh, Pastor Perry Noble says everybody needs a uh, back door. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you try to keep everything, they call it constipated. That's right. <laughs> hey, we've also, Pastor Greg, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, we've got Bob on the line. He has joined us now. And uh, so Bob is over there uh, just to let you know. And uh, technology uh, has not beat us today. All right. <clears throat> Bob, say hi. Hey, great to be here. I was hanging out on MySpace, and uh, <laughs> I was, it was awesome. I was hanging out with an AV club, yeah. the chess club, yeah. and, uh, but I was in the wrong place. MySpace. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're glad you're here. <laughs> this, is, uh, this has been fun already. You guys, are, you guys are more fun than the music guys that we had last time. <laughs> Don't tell them that, but uh, no, it's, this is great. Okay, so... <laughs> on. <laughs> You're bad. All right, so uh, what, what we're hearing from Larry at Elevation is that the assimilation process from their point of view uh, is uh, an identification 
uh, more than a keeping, although there is a keeping piece to it because you're going to identify the people that you think specifically uh, uh, God has planted there that can further uh, both the ministry of elevation and, and you can, uh, they're probably going to be the kind of people that you're going you're gonna to be able to, to uh, uh, help in their gifts and motivate them to do what God's called you to do. Um, Bob, talk to us a little bit about um, what you do and um, um, where you see as a strategy for assimilation. Yeah, well, I am, I am thrilled to be here, even though it took me a while to get here. Uh, but, you know, we're, uh, we're in Miami. Uh, we started our church about 12 years ago. And uh, just to give you a little bit of a, um, of a background as far as our church goes, I'll give you a real quick summary. Uh, we started our church, it was my wife and I and five people. And then after the first week, it was my wife and I and three people. I don't know what I said to tick those two people <laughs> off, but either way, they left. And, uh, but, you know, um, you know, we started our church in a living room uh, 12 years ago. And what happened was our church, you know, you know eventually you graduate from the living room. And, you know, you kind of launch the church and all that. And, um, and what we found was is that we hit a certain level. And then we just, I mean, it was the wall, it's the growth barriers everybody talks about. Um, and what we found was uh, we, we never really had uh, a, a huge problem getting people to attend. Um, at least, you know, show up for the first time, second time. But it was, you know, the proverbial, uh, you know, back door that, that people talk about. And, uh, you know, as we know, everyone needs a back door, um, which we, we are grateful for. Um, but here's the thing that that I that I that I see happen, and I, you know I, I work with a lot of churches besides just pastoring um, my my own church, and one of the things that I see is that um, it's kind of like um, for a lot of churches, there's just no plan whatsoever, you know, and it's like, well, if God wants them, they'll stick, you know, and it's like, um, you know, if that was your strategy on getting married, you'd be single. Uh, so, but if you thought, hey, I'm going to get involved in this process, and I'm going to like shower and all that stuff, and you know, <laughs> throw on a little spray, and you know, hopefully she'll like me. Um, but then, um, and then there's there's kind of the other side, which is like extremely programmed um, assimilation, and and uh, and I think some of the challenge with a lot of the, uh, you know assimilation strategies is that they're very linear and uh, they kind of expect everyone to start at the same place and so it's um, and the truth is, is that you know very rarely are people starting from the exact same place so you have people coming in that are unchurched and unsaved you have people coming in that are saved but they just you know maybe they're moving to town you have some people coming in They've grown up knowing about the things of God, but they, you know, they're just they walked away from church at a young age or whatever. So, um, you know, we've kind of looked at assimilation a little more um, like a net, more than we looked at it as like a a, a linear process. Mm -hmm. So, so how does that how does that work if it's nonlinear uh, and it's a net? Um, give me a specific. How, how does that how does that work? Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things is is that I think you have to have some, you have to have steps. 
But I think part of it is the step. The steps have to be st simple. The steps need to be. Um, they need to be clear. Uh, and I and I, one of the things too is I think we want to start moving people at a little bit of a quicker uh, pace. So someone, if someone is coming in and they don't know the Lord, uh, well then the first thing we want to do is you know we we want them to attend, but we want to lead them to Christ. We want to see them get baptized. Some people are coming in and they hey they already did that. You know they. They grew up in church. They're moving into town. So really what we're trying to do is connect them in community. We want them to see, uh, to, to start to attend the church. Hey, this is what, what I'm going to call home. And so there's a little more uh, just connection that needs to take place rather than, you know, maybe the conversion than, than, than connection. Okay. Um, Josh Walters. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the assimilation process as you see it at Seacoast? Well, I'll tell you going into it, we, uh, we started off very similar to Larry and did just a uh, general study of world history. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, and, what, and what did you learn? What did you learn? <laughs> well, uh, let, me, let me just go with where we actually started. And now, <laughs> first of all, Larry, I was a history major, and so that was fascinating, and I kind of wish I would have started there, but we just started with, man, how can we make sure these people stay <laughs> at our church? And so uh, we... Uh, you know, one of the one of the tough things with assimilation is trying to figure out, um, you know, where we start. Because uh, as soon as you come up with a process, it's like you keep taking a step back with, uh, ultimately into the parking lot. You know, where where are we going to draw the line in the sand for where we're fighting to see people come back? And so, in creating our process, the place that we started was once people have identified that they would like to take a next step in getting connected, whether it's filling out a connect card communicating in any way, hey, we kind of like being here and want to take a next step. That was essentially where we started building our process and then have, have started, you know, kind of backtracking and building everything else. So um, so our process is a, a four-week process um, that uh, has an in-class experience and an at-home experience that takes place here at the Long Point campus on a Sunday morning uh, during one of the services. Each of our campuses have... Uh, you know, kind of adapted it to do whatever works best for them. Some folks do it on Sunday nights or on a on a weeknight kind of deal. Um, but the four-week process is essentially a cultural dip to help them see uh, who are we as a church. We kind of sell it as week one. They get to meet some people on a similar journey. They can come after any of the given services in a room, hear a little bit about the vision of the church, and then they get invited back to the process, which is essentially weeks two, three, and four. Uh, week two, they hear about the mission and vision of Seacoast, what's unique to us as a church. Week three, they look at their spiritual gifts and passions, how's God uniquely wired them, um, life experiences, that kind of stuff. And then week four is essentially the next step. Based on who you are and where God has you and who we are as a church, uh, in light of your spiritual journey and how God's gifted and wired you, what would be your best next step? And so at each point along the way, they have homework um, that kind of prepares them for the following week that is done online with a series of videos by teaching pastors, kind of highlighting some of the stuff that they would want to know, but would be, you know, maybe a little drier to teach in a classroom environment. But it's, uh, so that's essentially it. People are sat at tables after week one based on the demographic they're in. So uh, say we have 100 people attend 
week one, they stop by for about 15 minutes after every service. We have somebody in there kind of taking notes on whether they're a single woman or a married couple, younger, older, you know, that kind of stuff. And then when they come back for week two, they're sat at a table for weeks two, three, and four with people in that same demographic so that hopefully while they're learning about the church, taking spiritual gifts assessments and figuring out their next step, they're also building relationships with people in a similar season of life. So we've had a number of folks finish that process and kind of continue on with their table as a small group just because, you know, kind of helped the great big giant church become small over a few-week process. So, Okay. Sean, you are in a church plant. There are a lot of church planters that listen to us. Um, how does the assimilation process work at Freedom Church? Is this fair? I didn't ask you. Ask no, you that's okay. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> and amazingly, what, what's amazing is over 18 months of being a church plant, uh, this is an issue that we've revisited probably every three to four months to make sure that we feel like we're doing what we need to be doing um, and uh, really starting at the point, like Josh said, uh, at the moment, I would even say starting uh, sort of psychologically at the point where someone decides that they might even come to freedom is where we try to start. And so it starts really for us on, on Facebook and on uh, the city, if someone joins the city, which is our social network uh, for our church and sort of our database as well. And so we just start, if we see somebody join the, the Facebook page or the uh, city, we just kind of reach out to them a little bit because they have taken a next step, which is to say, I'm slightly interested in your church. And so we just, we don't stalk them or overdo that, but we just try to uh, get get to them somehow, including um, we would uh, run uh, Facebook ads that are targeted at people who have liked our Facebook page and their friends. So that starts. The next step is that they would come to the to the church, and when they do, they're going to be greeted in the parking lot with what uh, we're uh, basically just are starting based on one of these three or four month re-ups of it is going to start the VIP process. I won't say anything about the VIP process because Larry is the man on the VIP, so we'll let him maybe follow up to this and say what that is because we just basically went to Elevation, saw what they do for the VIP process, and we're, we're doing everything exactly the same, including on VIP, we put our logo over the I. I mean, we have copied it exactly. You know, so you would, we didn't put we Elevation's logo, but we put our logo over it. John, um, you could have saved yourself a trip. You <laughs> could have just come to Charleston because we ripped it off. Yeah, yeah. And, yep, so, uh, and yeah. so you wouldn't have had to go to Charlotte. Oh, anyway, go ahead. So then they, they come in, and we make a big push to get people to fill out the connection card. Um, we talk about it twice within the service. Uh, we tell them why we want them to fill it out. is because we want to give them more information on the church, and we want to answer their questions. We also only ask them for their email address so that we can get them on the city as well. That's all they've got to give us. And then we tell them if they'll take that connection card over to the red tent, is that our black tent rather? Does that sound familiar, Larry? They'll okay. take it to the black tent that we will then give them a free gift, and we're going to donate um, to a local charity on their behalf if they'll do that. So that's how we try to get cards. Uh, once we get cards that day, we are at least by Monday, we immediately uh, invite them to the city with a letter that is just, hey, thanks for coming. If we can answer any more questions, please let us do that. Here's your invite to the city. By Tuesday, they're going to get a hard letter from me um, that just says, hey, thank you for coming. Our next newcomer's dinner is on this date. We'd love you to come, and you can sign up for that on the city. And if you get on the city, you'll find out all kinds of stuff. 
Um, by the end of the week, they're going to get a copy of 200 Pomegranates and an Audience of One, which is a book that I wrote. And we just send them a free copy going, hey, thank you for coming to Freedom. Uh, we just wanted to remind you that you came. Hopefully on Friday is when they're going to get that. And so they get a gift from us and a reminder to come back that weekend. And then we will just, from that point on, try our best to get them to um, uh, uh, come back again and take some future next step which would be I want to get in a community group and then we have a follow-up process for that I want to be baptized we have a follow-up process for that or I'd like to serve and we have a follow-up process for that as well okay wow <laughs> now listen when I planted Seacoast 25 years ago this week um, I remember that uh, every weekend I would get the cards of people who attended and I'd put them on my dining room table as soon as we finished uh, eating lunch. And then I'd call all of them mm -hmm. and uh, personally just call them and, you know, say, hey, I saw that you attended today and just wanted to say thanks for coming. And is there anything I can pray with you about? And then I would invite them to my home actually for what our assimilation process was, wow. uh, was uh, uh, once a month coming into my home. And my wife and I would host them, and we would also we would all also um, uh, ask them if they would bring something. You know, uh, like could you bring something to eat? You know, we don't cook very well, so could you bring something to eat? We actually did. That was a part of the process. What we learned early on, uh, what, even in the starting of it, when we started our church, uh, we called sixteen thousand people at dinner time, really obnoxious, and. Uh, you know, ask them if they'd like to be a, yeah, hear, hear more about what was going on. That's a whole other story. But one of the things we did when, when we identified, we did kind of like Larry. We had 16,000 people, and then we kind of called it down, let people self-select whether or not this was the kind of church they wanted to be a part of. And when we finally figured that out, uh, I think it was, you know, maybe 14, 1,500 people that were at least interested. Uh, we sent them a letter and said, hey, why don't you come to our first week? And by the way, we'd like to have – coffee and donuts and uh, cookies. We'll provide the coffee. You guys bring the donuts and cookies. And uh, we, we uh, had them, uh, we, we felt like if, if people felt like they were a part of, part of what was going on and they would be missed if they weren't there, then the, the likelihood of them being a part of it would, uh, you know, would, be, uh, would be greater. And so that was our philosophy from the beginning. Uh, I called everybody. We had a newcomers gathering in our home, and we asked them to bring the food. Now that was that was 25 years ago. Okay, 25 years ago. Um, talk to me, Bob. How about you address this if you can? How has with the change of technology and and how the culture has changed in the last five years? Does that do you see that affecting like your church's follow up? Well, yeah, it has, and um, there's a lot more that we do with Facebook and things like that. I think what Sean talked about is people liking the uh, liking your fan page. Uh, we don't use the city, but uh, you know, I think that as well would um, would change it. But you know, what we find is uh, we still send letters, uh, or you know, we still send cards, and then for after our one month follow up, we send. Um, we, we actually send uh, letters, but one of the things that we that we do, and actually we have, um, we don't do handwritten cards. I, because you know, I know some guys do. Statistically, there's no difference between a hand signed card and a handwritten card. All right, stop uh, right there, real quick, because I want you to go on. All right, 
Raise your hand if you guys do handwritten cards. Oh, okay. All right. Elevation does. All right, All right. go ahead, Bob. We still love you, Larry. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> but, um, but, but I will say this, and I think this is one of the things that, that we've learned as far as, um, as, far as technology uh, is that um, as things get more high-tech, you know, and you can really just, you can automate everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we do a lot of automation here. Uh, we're still trying to find ways where we can, you know, in a world of high tech, how can we be high touch mm -hmm. as well? And, uh, and, and believe it or not, I think that Facebook is a way where you can do that, where you can post on somebody's wall, hey, thanks so much for, for being here uh, on Sunday or, or what have you. And it's, even though you're using technology, um, it's not intrusive, and I think that that's some of the, uh, like I would say, you know, I, I mean, Greg, I, I think it's amazing that 25 years ago you could do that. You could just call somebody, and it wasn't seen as, um, as intrusive, you know. At well, now, I think, I, I'm I think like one, one of the, the, I think one of the reasons that, I kind of I saw it is that, and I, I very seldom did I get a negative response, but I thought mm -hmm. if they turned in a card. They wanted to be seen. Yeah, yeah. And so that that was my invitation. But go go ahead. No, but I, I think um, I think one of the things that's changed is that net, like I, I'm one of these dinosaurs. I still have a home phone. Um, so and I can't get like I'm the only person on my whole staff that has a home right. phone. <laughs> right. And uh, they all make fun of me. Like, oh, I'll call you on your home phone. Uh, anyway, but I but every time my home phone rings, I get mad. <laughs> and I'm like, this is going to be some solicitor or a peddler or some, you know what I mean? Or it's some person asking me to vote for them uh, yeah. because nobody calls me at home. <laughs> on, and I, I honestly, you need I to get some friends. Yes, yeah, you need a friend, Bob. I'll call you. I get some Bob. friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I hang out on MySpace. Uh, wow. <laughs> I have no friends. They've all moved on. Uh, but I'm standing strong. It's going to make a comeback. Uh, but. I, but I will say this, um, and, and I think it's just like, and I was having a conversation with someone, and they said, uh, well, is it better? You know what? I'll just text you, uh, and I'll say, you know, you can call me on my cell. And they said, no, 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 I don't want to be that intrusive. Um, I'll, just, I'll just text you. And, and I just, uh, and I, I guess one of the things that I've seen happen is, um, I said, well, because I'll text you, and then at your convenience, you can, you can respond. And... I've never seen a cell call. I mean, you know, you answer it or don't answer it. But I think, you know, you have a younger generation uh, coming in. And I'm not too old. I mean, I'm, I'm 39, so I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to my youth for dear life. Um, but, but I guess what I've seen with, young, you know, maybe guys in their, in their 20s and uh, late 20s, early 30s, they see it, as, they see it very differently. Yeah, so, I agree. I mean, uh, with my cell phone, uh, if I see, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but if I see a number that comes in that doesn't have a name on it that's attached to my, mm -hmm. I don't answer that. I don't, I don't answer cold, cold calls. So if they leave a, a number on the, or if they leave a message on the whatever called answering machine, do they still call them that? I mean, I'm, I'm not too hip, I guess, but <laughs> what, whatever. <laughs> okay. now, on that, Greg, uh, one thing I'd interject, Larry, I think, at least, uh, I think you guys call everybody. Is that right? So I'd love to hear from your side is like, how does that work? Yeah. Do you expect a voicemail? Like, what, what are you thinking that? 
Yeah, we used to, uh, when, when we started the church seven years ago, when you would have walked in, you would have seen like a tunnel of greeters like assaulting you, trying to be like over-the-top welcoming, but it was kind of like shock factor. And we realized we had a real welcoming church, but it wasn't really engaging. It wasn't really personal. And so we were welcoming, but not honoring. And so what, what, what caused us to create this VIP team is we wanted to create an honoring culture where we're meeting people personally where they're at. So the, the VIP team, what it does is people pull into every one of our campuses. Uh, the VIT, VIP team is stationed out at the black tent. It's a team of 10 to 15 volunteers. Signs that say, if you're here for the first time, you're our VIP, turn on your hazard lights. We actually get them to the very best parking spots right in front of the building. And then our VIP team is actually going to act as their host, their concierge throughout the whole experience. They're going to meet them right at their car and they're going to walk them through the whole experience. And kind of the, the thing they're operating with is answer every question they're going to have and they never have to ask it. Kind of so preparing for their arrival, if it's the mom with small kids, what does she need to hear and she never even has to ask it, where we've kind of prepared for every detail. So help get the kids checked in, get them into the auditorium. But then before they actually go into the auditorium, each VIP team is actually going to give them their, their uh, going to give them a business card. That's going to be like, hey, I'm your host. If you've got any questions about the church or if you have any questions about the city of Charlotte, you might have just moved here and needed a dentist. I'd love to help you get connected, whatever I can do to help you. And then they also say, hey, I'll meet you after the worship experience. Come by the black tent. But if we happen not to meet, that's cool, but at least they get the information. But then they'll meet them at the black tent, give them a gift, a T-shirt, oversized print piece with worship CD inside of it. And then they're actually going to get their information right there. Uh, and then the goal is they're going to help get them back to the car, and then they're actually going to write them a handwritten postcard that day saying, hey, dear Bill and Susie, excited you moved to Charlotte. That's great. If you need anything, just give me a call. Drop that in the mail. And so then that VIP team, we actually take all the, the information, gets dumped into our database on Monday, and then the same VIP team that greeted all the guests on Sunday makes all the calls on Monday night. And what we find is what we get more times than not is, wow, I'm so amazed that a big church would be uh, small enough to make me feel big where you're actually going to make a personal phone call to me. We're going to leave voicemails probably on 50% of the calls, 40 to 50%, but the ones we speak with and then the ones we talk to, they're so blown away that, wow, a church of X size actually made a personal call to me. So the, I think Pastor Bob is probably right. I don't think people are going to come back because they got a handwritten postcard. But I think it's reinforcing that personal touch and just having as many personal touches as we can throughout that whole process. Larry, are you uh, kind of over that process right now? Yeah, I kind of drive that kind of centrally for all of our campuses to yeah. operate with. And so then a few other touches that come out of that is uh, everybody gets the call on Monday. They're going to get a handwritten letter, uh, a, a letter from Pastor Stephen, not handwritten, but a, a letter from Pastor Stephen uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday. It'll hit their, their, their mailbox. And it's a letter that changes up by the series. So it's not new every week, but with the series, hey, whereas we're in our infinite series right now, you heard Pastor Stephen talk about. So it feels time sensitive, like it's it's not generic as, as much as it would be, thanks for visiting our church kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then they'll also get an email on Thursday from the campus pastor that will be an email they open up and have like six different boxes on it. Click here to get a review, to watch Pastor Stephen's message. Click here to give us feedback about your experience. Click here to learn more about our children's ministry. It has different windows in it that they can interact with to tell us about their experience or to get more information on it. So those are the touches we'll give them. So uh, somebody just um, 
sent me a text that says, um, do, you, do you guys recommend having an assimilation pastor or director on staff? Is that a yes or a no? Yes. Okay. Somebody's got to own it. If nobody owns it, it doesn't happen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what, uh, talk to us about um, rhythm just a little bit. I know I was um, – <clears throat> you, you gave us your touches, Larry, uh, but I, I was thinking about um, it sounds like Bob uh, and I know Josh and Larry, you guys have a class of some kind that you identify people. Sean, you do too. Mm -hmm. um, I was with somebody the other day, and I said, if I was new in your church – uh, when would be the next uh, assimilation class or membership or whatever it happened to be? And it happened to be about, they do it at once a quarter, and so if I had arrived at that particular time, it would be two and a half months from when I actually came to the church. Is that a good rhythm? Uh, what, you know, what, what kind of rhythm do we look at? Uh, Josh, what, what, what do you guys do? Or I guess it's we. <laughs> what do you what do you pay me to do? Is that the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you do with your time, Josh? Um, yeah. We uh, we run it monthly, uh, but at a campus level, we kind of do the same thing. Pastor Greg just mentioned uh, it kind of depends on the size of the class. So here at the Mount Pleasant campus, we run it every month, with the exception of July and December, um, just for our rhythms as a church. Those two make sense to take off, and uh, that really makes it helpful for us because if someone because of their travel schedule or work schedule is gonna they know going into the process they're gonna miss the second or third week we can put it on uh, the guy that owns that for us is calendar to reach out to them the third week of the following month to say hey having week three again this month we'd love to have you join us kind of a follow-up deal but uh, so that's what we do monthly uh, with the okay. exception of July and December yeah. okay uh, Larry how about you guys well, what we do is, um, ours is, we don't necessarily have membership, we have participation through what we call the four G's, growth, invite people, gifts, volunteer, giving, and then groups. And so for us, it's, we've got two tents outside the building at every one of our locations. Black tent is for the first time, or that's our VIP tent, and then the orange tent, that is for second time, and people to get plugged in. And so what we say is, listen, if you're ready to call this place home, partner with us, jump out to the orange tent today, get signed up to volunteer, and then we do what we call it. We do a volunteer orientation session every other weekend. And so you can get plugged into volunteering within a couple of weeks. You can get in a, in a, sw a small group, one of our e-groups that night. We can set you up for online giving at that orange tent. And so earlier, Bob, you know, he talked about, you know, it's got to be a simple, clear process. Completely agree. It's got to be easy and obvious as far as what's next. And so ours is like we, we're trying to remove as few steps as possible so it's real easy for them to volunteer. It's real easy for them to get into an e-group. So we don't necessarily have a class system we take them through, mm -hmm. but we get them plugged into ministry real quickly. So yours would be every other week you've got some type of a, a gathering where yeah. I'm going to hear about how I can get involved with something. Yeah, and so if you're going to volunteer, that's going to happen on Sunday mornings. We call it our volunteer boot camp. Uh -huh. goes from 8 till about 10. What you do is you come in and kind of two sessions. First one is vision and culture of the church. Uh, we really play off our what we call our one-day principle, where that's kind of the, our vision is people far from God raised to life in Christ. The individual application is who's close to you but far from God. Mm -hmm. What if this were the one day they were going to come to church? Why do you, what would you want them to experience? So that frames their volunteer experience. 
then we actually put them in the greeting lines where they're going to greet all the guests coming in because that's at somebody's one day. Then the second half, we really hit heavy, heavy culture. At the end of it, they sign up for an area they're going to shadow and then sign up to volunteer with that next week. Now, as culture, where, where do you guys – you said earlier that you're – you're uh, throwing people out till you only have eight people. That wow, I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> no, you didn't, but it sounded fun to say. All right, well, no, people are self-identifying. Is, is this where they should be? Where, uh, is there like a presentation that helps me self-identify, or when is that? For us, self-identifying would be when they're walking through the experience as far as getting out of their car, walking in, they're self-identifying. They're going to be like, I completely resonate with this. This really fits in with the rhythm of what I'm looking for to be a part of a community in, in, in a church. Mm -hmm. And others, it's like, it's a little too aggressive. It's a little more forward for me. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's like, you know, one of the best things we can do is to find a place where they fit in. And so that self-identification is as soon as they drive on, if they're going to be like, I don't want anybody noticing me. I just want to hang out. We've also got another thing we do called a newcomer's lunch. We'll do it every kind of four to six weeks for that group. Where it's going to be, hey, if you've been coming a while, you, you need to meet somebody. We would like to meet you. You'd like to get your questions asked. It's going to happen today after the 1130 worship experience. Come there. And so that's another one of those filters for us where we're going to be able to explain the culture. Smaller room, but a chance for them to meet face-to-face. -face. Okay. All right. Bob, how often do you guys have um, an assimilation meeting or whatever you want to call it? Well, um, to back it up, like membership will do about once a month. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think like Josh, there's a couple months that we'll take off, um, but so it probably happens about ten times a year. So I'd say it's every, average it out for every four to six weeks. Um, we'll do that. Uh, we also do this once a month, and then we do this thing called the VIP reception. Um, and I had no idea you guys did that at Elevation. It's a, so anyway, great they've, mind. They've trademarked uh, the name. Yeah, so yeah. You'll be, have to be paying them for that. We <laughs> ripped it off from you. <laughs> Uh, checks in the mail, and uh, but uh, but what we do this uh, this uh, VIP reception is more is really a lot more of a uh, a hangout. It's it's for people who are newer to get connected. Uh, I'm there, my wife's there, and uh, a lot of our, uh, our our other pastors are there, and uh, it's an opportunity for them to connect uh, with some of our staff, and more importantly for them to connect with each other. Um, and so, but usually this is for people who have been attending Calvary for less than a month. And um, so from there, that's where we want to get people plugged in into service and from there um, into membership and, and whatnot. And that's why I talked a little bit earlier about, about the net. Because some people will say, hey, I want to go from this. One's a membership class. I want to take that. And, uh, you know, for us, one of our membership, uh, you know, requirements is that you serve. So then they'll kind of, They'll take the class and then they'll backtrack and start serving. Some people say, hey, I, I attended this. This is home. I want to get plugged in and serve. And then we're going to challenge them. Hey, wanna, let's, let's, um, let's commit one to another and be part of uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a membership kind of format. Okay. Uh, somebody just sent in a question that said they're on the Hangout now. And uh, did they understand that Elevation does not have a membership? Is that true or false? That we do not have a membership. That is true. What do you have in place of that? Uh, participation through what we call our four G's. Okay. 
And so that's the again, it's the growth. Bring people with you. We, we you know we just got done last week and really kind of the weekend angle was not. We want people inviting lots and lots of people every week, but we really clarified it now. Who are you bringing? Okay. There's the difference between the inviting and the bringing. Who are you bringing with you? Invite thousands, but who are the two people you're bringing with you? Okay. I, I was thinking about um, uh, maybe a, a pastor or ministry leader in a new church plan or a smaller church that's trying to incorporate the assimilation process, and whether it's a newcomer's reception or it's VIP 10 or whatever, um, you know, how often do you do it? Um, VIP tent's different. That's every week. But how often would you have an assimilation thing? And here, here's kind of my philosophy on that from the beginning is, A, I don't cancel anything almost ever. You know, it's, if, we, if we say we're going to do it, we do it. Yeah. And uh, then uh, we always figured, you know, if you had, you know, whatever a large crowd was for us in the early years, that might be 15 or 20 people uh, <laughs> filling up our house, you know, you can really feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> Actually, it's sweat that you can feel, and you know it's it's that crowd dynamics or whatever, uh, and it feels good. But then you have a week where you have two people or three people show up. Uh, we always saw that as an opportunity to get close to those two or three people. Absolutely. You went you went from the living room to the dining room table then, and uh, of course they were bringing the food, so that was great. And uh, we'd sit across the the table and just really get to know them. So I think that. You do it more often, even if it's a smaller deal. It gives people more of an opportunity, more opportunities to get involved. And if it's a small crowd, yay God, that's that's yeah. a great opportunity to. And, and if they're really strange people, you know, you just only have an hour anyway. So and you're probably strange yourself, so. Pastor Greg. Also, uh, Michael was going to be on the call from Church of the Highlands, and I know because of them being an art church, and I've gone through their grow coaching. Uh, Pastor Chris, there is just a strategic. Uh, genius and yes. one of the things he taught us and that I think is true is that whatever you choose like you said no cancellation just do it the same every time so that the announcement flow gets to be the same you your people get to own it and know when it happens um, that we do, we do newcomers um, every other month right now but we always do it every other month um, like in May it's gonna fall on uh, whatever in May is the holiday I can't remember the end of May uh, is that Labor uh, Labor Day or, or whatever it is? Memorial. Anyway, Memorial Day, Memorial, Memorial Day. Day weekend. It's going to follow Memorial Day weekend. But we're going to do it anyway because we're going to do it at the same time every time. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pastor Chris even does whatever their thing is that falls on Super Bowl Sunday, they do it on Super Bowl Sunday because they say they just don't cancel anything. And so I think that's an important that's thing good. that Church of the Highlands would add to this as well. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, we're coming down fairly close to the end of our hour together. This has really gone fast. This has been great stuff, great nuggets. Uh, what I want to do is we're, we're going to have an it segment. And uh, the it segment, we're going to go through each one of you. And this is what have you read or what have you written or what have you seen lately that you just can't stop thinking about. And this is a wonderful time for shameless self-promotion. It's encouraged here. So if there's something you guys are doing or you've written or whatever that you want people to know about, uh, you know, fire away. So, uh, Bob, what, what's an it for you? What have you read, written, or seen lately that you can't stop thinking about? Well, um, I've uh, just finished writing two books that are coming out on Baker in the fall. Uh, one is called Pull, and the subtitle is Making Your Church Magnetic. And uh, it's really about mobilizing your church. Um, how do you, you know, um, using things like 
direct mail, Facebook, you know, servant evangelism, really anything that kind of creates that pull uh, to see people start uh, attending attending your, your church. So that's coming out. I have a book uh, that's coming out at the same time called Begin, which is um, a book for new believers. It's a book less than 100 pages. What are the basic things that new believers need to know? Hmm. Um, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? How to study the Bible? How to pray? What is fellowship? Just real basic stuff, but written... Uh, I, I was looking for a book like this to, to, for, to use for people who accept Christ at our church, and I couldn't find one just that's written in really simple language. And uh, so anyway, I was telling somebody at Baker that, and they said, you should write that. So anyway, I did. And uh, so that comes out this fall. And cool. uh, for those that don't know, uh, I also I have a ministry for, for pastors that's called Outreach Ninja, where I just uh, teach them a lot of this stuff, and it's coaching, and we do resources that are done for you. Uh, so if we talk about direct mail, we actually give you the direct mail pieces, totally customized, uh, with all your church's information. So that's at OutreachNinja.com. Uh, uh, you can get all that uh, info. Is that enough as far as shameless plugging? Uh, <laughs> that's good. I like it. OutreachNinja.com. That's excellent. And I like the fact, let's see, Pull and Begin. That was the, the yeah. name of the two books? Yeah. Okay, that's great, and uh, I love the fact that the books are one-word titles. Uh, that means you're not using up all the words. You could write lots of books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's good stuff. But uh, get Bob's get Bob's stuff. Very practical uh, and uh, and very good. Josh uh, Walters, what have you read, written, or seen lately that you can't stop talking about? Uh, and, and any sh selfless, uh, or not selfless, shameless self-promotion. We don't want selfless here. <laughs> you know, I've just been going uh, over and over again through one of my favorite books, Irreverent. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. would love to, <laughs> as we head into the that's a book. Season. That's a book I read. It's a non-bestseller, but it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I've been, uh, a couple months ago, uh, Pastor Ron from our West Campus uh, turned me on to a book from uh, Alan Smith out of Gateway called Unveiled. And uh, man, just personally preparing uh, for Easter this year and uh, going after it with God, one of the phrases from, uh, from that book that has really framed up, man, my quiet time for the last month or so is that something about the way that we see Jesus should change the way that we see ourselves. And so uh, it's just kind of been a personal deal. Anytime mm -hmm. I, I'm seeing a behavior in me I don't like or a thought that I question where that came from, you know, has uh, really framed up uh, my prayer life and time in the Word to say, man, how do I see Jesus in this area? And uh, so anyway, it's just been a long time since I've had a book. Uh, you know, I, I love reading and can just sit down on the couch and fly through a book and learn some things. But uh, this book has, has messed me up in a, in a good way. And so... Uh, and it's called Unveiled. Unveiled. Again, one word. Good uh, one word <laughs> book there. Good. All right. Thanks. Uh, Larry, how about you? One of the things that the, the tensions we're dealing with as a church is, you know, the growth we've had to try to keep up with it from facilities and leadership is it's some of our biggest challenges. I know that a lot of people are feeling bad for us that those are some of our yes. challenges. <laughs> I hear the moaning and whining and complaining. Yeah. And um, God has been so good to us, and just to try to keep up pace with Him is it's it's, it's challenging. And so we actually created a program that we started in January called our Prodigy Program. It's kind of our leadership development where we're training up future campus leaders, campus pastors, associate campus pastors, kind of a six-month apprenticeship program. 
And one of the things that's really forcing us how to do is to really, what we've been able to do to this point is replicate on seven campuses because we're using the people who have been here from the beginning. Right. But now as we launch, and you guys know this, we've learned it so much from you, Pastor Greg, it's when you get these other campuses, now you're pulling in second generation, third generation leaders. Yes. How do you multiply the original DNA in those people so that you're creating the original DNA, not some offshoot of it? Mm -hmm. So that's what's keeping us awake at night right now. And I'm that's not leading that. Stuff. A big part of that, so. Good stuff. That's that's mm -hmm. great. How would you? I love that. That the concept is developing our own leaders and training our own leaders. Yep. If you couldn't steal leaders from other churches, what <laughs> would you do? You know. I mean, and I'm not saying that about you guys. I'm saying at the church as a whole. Yes. If if we had to develop our own leaders, what would we do? And I love that you guys are tackling that and. Uh, it's going to be fun to cheer you on and watch what happens. Hmm. Uh, Sean, anything um, that uh, excites you or, um, or uh, that you can't stop thinking about? Yeah, um, and I'll uh, give one thing that's been on my mind big. It's, I don't know if you guys saw this video that came out a couple weeks ago of uh, Billy Joel, who was um, at a college uh, music school and was is uh, there and a, a kid a college kid in the audience comes up and he he uh, asks him a question he says hey and by the way can I come play piano while you sing for you and surprisingly Billy Joel goes okay and he comes up and the guy just tears it up it's amazing it's it's actually on my blog seanwoodwrites.com I'll put the video up there because I was watching it and I thought this is a great lesson uh, to those who have any kind of platform, whether that platform is the 12 people who follow you in your community group or the church that you lead or the organization that you lead or the denomination or whatever, is when you get a platform, um, how, do you, how do you best share it? And I thought Billy Joel just did a great job of sharing his platform. He gave a young, bold leader a chance. He could have failed. He could have come up and not known how to play chopsticks. I mean, who knows what's going to happen. And he took a chance on him, and he ends up uh, sharing his platform. And then I saw with the other guy, though, and this is something that I'm spreading, trying to spread to our younger guys, is when you get a chance to have someone else's platform, come with your A game and bring your A game. Uh, don't, don't come unprepared. Don't ask for the platform until you're ready for it. And uh, don't think you'll get another chance to quote Eminem. Uh, this is your chance to blow. So do it, yo. You know, so, uh, so that's. <laughs> do what? Are you rhyming right now? Is that what you're doing? What's that? Are you rhyming right now? Is that what uh -oh. you're doing? That was beautiful. It was a direct quote of Eminem. And uh, you can Google him later, yeah. Pastor Greg, to find out. He's, wow. He's building his street cred. I'll have to I'll have to look that, that up. Yeah. So anyway, that's what's it's just been on my mind is you know as we share our platform, but also um, I know I learned from when you gave me a chance with your platform. Quite honestly, is um, it was an honor and to to know to bring the A game to that. So that's what's on my mind. Uh, and then um, also just what's going on next. Let me just tell everybody uh, we've got archived versions now on ministryhangouts.com of all the hangouts we've done before. So you want to go there and check those out. Um, there's lots of great stuff starting to accumulate and uh, really good discussions that have been happening. Uh, and then also we've got coming up on April the 10th, we're going to be gathering together um, some church planter uh, organization leaders and just talking about church planning, what's going on in the world of church planning, what's the future of church planning look like, and how to get involved in these church planning organizations if you are a future 
or church planner or want to be a church who plants churches. And then on April 24th, we've had a lot of requests for this one uh, in the Twitter feed and emails to us through the Eventbrite registration is how do you prepare sermons? What do you do when you're preparing sermons? How do you prepare a series? What does it look like in the week of and just how does that happen and so we're kind of going to go and look at the the sausage making of preparing sermons so to speak and so that's going to be on April 24th we'll gather together a group of people to discuss that and then also just want to let everybody know um, uh, Pastor Greg is the president of ARC and ARC has uh, its conference coming up very soon and uh, we'll be uh, in uh, in April actually you can get more information at related churches Dot com. It's going to be in Jacksonville at Celebration Church, and so you want to be a part of that April 15th uh, through the 18th at Celebration Church, and you can register online. It's, it is a going to be packed out. It's going to sell out. It's probably very, very close to selling out, and then um, also the lineup there is just incredible. And so with that, I'll turn it back over with, to you, Pastor Greg, to close down. All the cool kids are going to be at ARC All Access, and so we want you to be cool. <laughs> we don't care whether you're cool or not. I'm not very cool at all, as you can see, but uh, we'd love to have you come be a part of that. Hey, thanks, for, uh, thanks you guys, all, for being a part of uh, a great, lively discussion today, and I want to thank those of you who are watching or listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.